Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides, the stainless steel construction made the flux dispersal. Look out! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Treks in Sci Fi. And today we are going back to the future. Well, or back to the past. Today we're going to be looking at the year 1985 in sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. This is podcast 368. It is January the 29th, 2012. Yes, originally this week was going to be a, a first look at the first Harry Potter movie with Kenny and I, but we're delaying that. So uh, I am instead going to be looking and doing another sort of year in review of the year 1985 this time. I've done a couple of these over the last year or so, and they were a lot of fun to do, usually involving uh, sometimes TV and movies that I've covered in other ways and other times, but uh, kind of a compilation this time uh, for the year 1985. So that's going to be on this week's podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since I talked to you. Thanks again for Dave sitting in that last week and doing that cool Babylon 5 look. Uh, I really enjoyed that, and I know a lot of other people did, so thanks, Dave, for that. Uh, and again, this week, uh, I'm back every other every other week you get me, and every other week in between you get something else. Uh, so... This week it's Rico, just uh, here by myself uh, in the Rico Cave, doing a podcast for all of you like I uh, have done for many years on Sunday mornings. So uh, I guess that's all I need to say. We're going to cover some other stuff to begin with before the the main uh, meat of the show, but uh, we'll be talking about the season finale of Chuck. Uh, I'll give you a brief review of Underworld that I saw, the new Underworld movie, and a few other things related to uh, sci-fi and uh, the new Star Trek movie. So sit back and let's get started. Yeah. 
Ah, yes, that's the uh, excellent uh, song 1985 by Bowling for Soup uh, to start us off on this uh, podcast uh, focusing on the year 1985. So I thought that would be a good, appropriate way to start things off for today. How's everyone doing? Hope everyone's doing well. Wintertime is upon us still here in the Midwest. We've got a little bit of snow Really windy out yesterday. We went and see, uh, went up to uh, Michigan State to see our uh, Eric and Stephen, our boys. Uh, it was my uh, older son Stephen's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Stephen, if you're listening. And uh, it was just we walked around a little bit and did a few things, and it was really, uh, really crazy windy, and we had a little snow, but it wasn't terrible. I mean, it was, I think, probably still at freezing or above freezing. But um, so there's your weather report from Michigan in the Midwest for this week. How's everyone? I I already said that, right? Gosh, it's been two weeks. I got to get back into this. So let's just get into uh, a couple things that I've seen recently we'll talk about. And uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time because got a lot to cover for the year 1985. Lots of movies and TV to mention and and, uh, just remind people about and that. So first off, Underworld, uh, Underworld Awakening. Saw that last, last week, just a week ago. Over the weekend uh, with my friend Mark, and I thought it was pretty good. You know, this uh, series of movies are, are, you know, they're nothing, of course, that's ever going to show up on the Academy Awards list, but I think they're fun. I think Kate Beckinsale was uh, great to have back in these films. I enjoyed seeing her again in the role of Celine. Uh, it's a real fast movie. It only is about 90 minutes long. There's a lot of action in it. Uh, there's, uh, you know, from the trailers, you can tell the story is that uh, some time has passed. And now uh, uh, the normal world and humans have learned about lichens or werewolves and vampires living amongst them, and have kind of set off to set out to eradicate them. And that's kind of the more or less premise of the, of the movie. And there's other things, a, a few other things going on in it that I won't mention. But I, I again, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought uh, they did a good job. Uh, it's really amazing what they can do with these movies these days with effects and digital uh, technology. We only saw it in a uh, normal uh, uh, version, not 3D. I know it's available in 3D, but we saw it uh, regular in a regular theater. Uh, and uh, But I, I, I liked it. And I think if you were the bottom line for me with these, if you enjoyed the other films, if you've seen any of them, uh, this one's very similar to those. So that can give you an idea of whether you want to go see it at the theater or wait for a few months for Netflix or, or whatever. So um, so that's Underworld. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about this week was the season finale of Chuck. I'm not going to say a lot because a lot of people probably haven't seen it. It was only a couple days ago, but I loved Chuck for the last five years. It was a great series. Uh, not a lot of anything else on TV like it. It kind of had some you know, comedy. It had drama. It had romance, action. It, you know, it was a nice mix of, of different elements a very good geek show because you had this geeky nerd Chuck who at the beginning of the series just worked at um, basically a Best Buy called Buy More on the series. And he was a computer geek and nerd, loved sci-fi and and Star Wars references and Trek things came up throughout the series and he had posters and collectibles around where he lived. And then, of course, this blonde, this hot girl named Sarah walks into his life who is really a spy and and then everything changes for him so uh, a great premise especially for us geeky nerds who uh you know maybe never could quite get that hot girl in high school or whatever but uh the season finale was was okay i'm not going to say that much about it i was uh, i was kind of disappointed in a few little parts of it and there's not I, I can't elaborate a lot on it unless you've seen it but i mean at the in the end it was it was okay and it was good i know other people seem to be uh 
mixed, uh, and then some people really liked it, some people didn't. Uh, but that's that's okay. It, it's very hard to do a finale, I feel, uh, for a TV show. I think there's only been a few times where I've been completely satisfied with a, a, a finale for a show, where I think they just, you know, that's how they needed to do it. I'll, I'll give you one good example. I thought the season finale, or not series, series finale, I should be talking about, not season finales, the ends of series, I thought the series finale for Smallville last spring, just last spring, I thought they did a perfect, excellent job on that. It led uh, into his new life as, you know, playing more Superman uh, and going into, you know, with the glasses and undercover as Clark Kent, a lot of other things, but it just, it just really wrapped everything up really well for all the characters and 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 the the mythos of all that and it, it um, completely made me happy after watching that series for 10 years chuck left me a little bit wanting more uh i think there were some things they left kind of dangling i'm not really sure if they did that on purpose perhaps we'll get another chuck movie at some point in time but uh but again i i, I will definitely miss the show loved when it was on the air uh each week uh, and uh you know that was Chuck was one of those shows that was always almost like uh, the you know the first um, Trek. It was always in danger of being canceled. It, it did pretty good in the ratings when it was first starting, I think. But then it just each season, I think it was in danger of not coming back the next year. And fans really supported the show and showed the network that they wanted it to come back. And in each year, it managed to come back again and again. So uh, and I, it's hard for me to believe that we even got five years of it, especially since it was always on that cusp of maybe not coming back. So uh, so that's it. Uh, other TV and movies are, are, of course, going on. Big Bang Theory has been great the last few weeks. Really been enjoying that quite a bit. So I think what I'll do now is I think I'm going to take a break, and then I'm going to get right into... Oh, I guess I can mention a little about the Trek movie, if you guys don't know. I, that was something I mentioned I was going to talk about. Uh, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll get into 1985. They have started to film the Star Trek sequel. It is due out in May of 2013. Uh, all the original cast is back. We've got uh, a, a great guest cast, it looks like, on, on store for uh, or in store for us uh, in this movie, uh, especially this uh, new guy who is on the TV show, the British show uh, Sherlock, uh, Benedict Cumber. What do you say? How do you say his last name? Cumberbatch? Cumber something? <laughs> Cumberbatch, I guess. Yeah, Cumberbatch. And uh, so we'll see. We still have not learned anything about the real story, plot, some what some of these guest stars or the, the characters they're playing. But it can't. I don't think they're going to be able to keep that under wraps too much longer. They are going to do some location filming, I think, and, and eventually we're probably going to get some paparazzi pictures of them in, in costumes and show the characters a little bit more. There was a bit of news or uh, an interview with Zoe Saldana who plays Uhura, of course. Uh, she says the Spock and Uhura romance will will sort of have uh, continue and evolve a little bit in this movie. They, they're not going to ignore it, or, or it's not going to completely go away or anything. She doesn't give you a lot of detail, but she says something like, uh, they wouldn't have uh, spent all this time. All I'm going to say is you've put all the time and energy and wit into setting these two characters together in the first movie, and if you didn't follow through on that, it would be a shame, which is kind of what she says. So that makes me feel like they're going to continue that uh, tact. And I'm okay with that. I know some people were kind of thought that was a little bizarre, uh, putting the two of them together uh, in the movie, Spock being a Vulcan and all that. But uh, he is, of course, half human. And uh, I think in a way, 
in the first movie, and maybe we'll see more of this and it'll continue more in this movie even, it seems to me that this version of Spock sort of embraces and allows his human side to uh, come into play, maybe a little bit more than Leonard Nimoy's Spock did in the early uh, series. He, he seemed to fight it more, I think, and not until maybe the first Star Trek movie did he sort of embrace it a little bit uh, to a degree. If you guys, uh, I'm sure the Trekkies out there understand what I'm talking about with that. And that's kind of at least what I picked up on in, in terms of um, the way uh, this Spock and this universe was playing or being played. So maybe that's one of the reasons they decided to give him a romantic interest. Uh, but it has started to film. Two weeks or so of filming has been going on. They expect that to last for several months, and it's going to get a big budget. It's going to be released in 3D, uh, converted to 3D, not filmed in 3D. So uh, I will keep everyone posted on the developments as the next Star Trek movie continues its way to the big screen. So stand by, quick little break here, and then we'll come back with the year 1985. Hi, my name's Kenny, and I'm a fanboy. Do you like Star Trek, Star Wars, Harry Potter? Do you consider yourself a brown coat or a twihard? Are you into cosplaying, LARPing, a furry? Can you speak Klingon or Elvish? Can you name all the doctors and their companions? Do you just love football or can't get enough of your favorite music group? Then this podcast is for you, Confessions of a Fanboy. Each episode, I sit down with a fanboy or fangirl and discuss their fandom and how it affects their daily lives. Be it geeky, sporty, or musical, fandoms can span a wide range of people. So come subscribe to Confessions of a Fanboy on iTunes. Or visit us online at confessionsofafanboypodcast.com and take a listen to fellow fans talk about the love for their fandom. Confessions of a Fanboy. Alright, before we get into the main part of the show this week, I want to offer everyone a contest. Uh, A&E has offered another set of DVDs for all of you to uh, win on a contest. I've done this a few times in the past. What they have available this time, uh, uh, two DVD sets. So we're just going to use them both, uh, both for the contest winner. You will receive uh, Ancient Alien Season 3. I know uh, somebody I work with uh, really enjoys that series. I've never really watched it. But uh, anyway, Ancient Alien Season 3 DVD set. And another thing called Frozen World, the story of the Ice Age. I guess this one goes into what the Ice Age was like, and if it's possible that uh, the Earth might go through another one at some point. So who knows, you know? Uh, But those will go out to the winner. And all you got to do for this contest, it's very simple. Shoot me an email. Just put put DVD contest into the uh, subject line, DVD contest. Send it to treksf at gmail.com and get it to me within the next two weeks before I podcast again. And you will be eligible to win this uh, set of DVDs. And then they will just get, um, once I pick a winner randomly on the show that week, and then they'll go out to the winner uh, from A&E directly. So uh, there you go. So pretty easy contest. Just shoot me an email, and uh, then you will have a chance to win. Hey, this is Ethan Phillips from Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, 1985 in sci-fi, fantasy, TV, and movies. Uh, This week, I think, uh, this time out, I'm going to go through uh, television shows, spotlight a few TV shows first, and then we'll do the movies. Uh, The first one that I want to talk about is a uh, uh, (laughs) I was almost telling you the title of it in in reverse, but you'll know what I mean in a minute. Uh, 
The title of, or the uh, the series I want to start out with started in the fall of 1985 on NBC. Only lasted for two seasons, and this is the theme song to that show. And I'll come back and tell you exactly what it is, and then we'll discuss uh, a few things about the show. asombrosos. All right, that is the executive produced uh, fantasy series called Amazing Stories. Yes, that's by uh, done by with uh, Steven Spielberg, developed by him and Joshua Brand, John Falsey. Music there, theme music uh, by John Williams, very recognizable. I love that series. It only lasted for two seasons on NBC, but it was sort of an uh, uh, kind of a moderned up version of uh, the Twilight Zone or Outer Limits in a way. It just really had a cool tone to it. I, I always enjoyed each week's episode. Uh, lots of them uh, that, that were very cool. Remote Control Man, Santa 85, Ghost Train. They actually spun one off into a short-lived TV series called Family Dog. Uh, they did uh, the Pumpkin Competition, the 21-Inch Sun, uh, Miss Stardust, Moving Day, uh, such interesting neighbors, just lots of cool, cool stuff. Had a very, uh, um, just a, a great list of directors for these shows, too. I'm looking at their Wikipedia entry. Uh, you know, for example, the one that got spun off into a family dog uh, TV series was directed by Brad Bird, of course, from Pixar, who also just directed the recent Mission Impossible movie. You had other directors, Nick Castle, Paul Michael Glaser, uh, Norman Reynolds, Robert Zemeckis, Joe, Joe Dante, uh, just great talent in this series. Clint Eastwood directed one of them. Can you believe that? I, I mean, uh, Burt Reynolds directed one. Uh, Peter Hyman, Steven Spielberg, of course, Michael D. Moore, uh, just just great, great stuff. You know what amazes me about Amazing Stories is that I just found out you can't get it all on DVD. You can get the first season, but the second season is not available yet on DVD. I mean, come on. This show is like almost uh, 20, it's 25 plus years old, people. Uh, what's the deal? What's going on? You know, and then they wonder why piracy uh, continues the way it does. People have, uh, you know, old episodes of this recorded. They convert, get it up, uploaded somewhere. And I don't know. I, 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 maybe it has to do with all those different people, you know, those directors that uh, they got to work deals out with all of them because their episodes would end up on this, um, you know, on any video release. And, you know, keep in mind, back in the days of 1985, the, you know, there was barely CD music out then. You know, we didn't have DVDs. We didn't have Blu-rays. We didn't have Netflix, uh, so uh, this is, uh, you know, kind of a bit of a time where, you know, the rules and the contracts that were written didn't account for all of that. So 
it's why some of these older things that I'm going to be mentioning today and I've mentioned on other T or other podcasts have trouble getting out on on home video in some form so uh, anyway amazing stories okay and let's move on to the next uh, TV show that I want to talk about from 1985. That is the opening intro to uh, a very cult classic uh, TV show, a kind of a favorite of mine uh, from this era, from 1985, uh, also on NBC, started in October of 1985. That one's called Misfits of Science. It was sort of like an early heroes in a way. It was a group of uh, characters that had special powers and abilities that allowed them to do things and help people. And they were always, of course, being kind of chased by uh, the government and, and, and that. Uh, it starred uh, Dean Paul Martin, who, is, who was Dean Martin's son. Uh, also starred a very young Courtney Cox, a Mark Thomas Miller, Kevin Peter Hall, uh, and uh, a bunch of others. Max Wright, who was later on Elf. Uh, just just a very uh, cool cast and uh, one of those shows that uh, lasted only a, a short uh, set of episodes, 16 episodes, and it uh, only lasted till February of 1986. Uh, Dean Paul Martin, Dean Martin's son, actually died a few years later in a military plane crash. He was a military pilot uh, and he crashed uh, his jet uh, during a snowstorm, which was very sad and unfortunate. But uh, And uh, it, it's interesting reading what happened to some of these cast members. Uh, for example, um, the uh, Mark Thomas Miller character who was Johnny, uh, who had Johnny, uh, his name Johnny Good or Johnny B. Good or something like that on the show. He uh, he uh, also, uh, or Johnny B, I think that's what it was. Yeah, he uh, later had an, an accident that uh, he was starting to do a lot of acting, but he later had an accident which somehow uh, left him somewhat disfigured. But later on, then he worked on uh, he would uh, do home uh, improvements uh, and redevelopment and construction for some of the celebrities. He later on formed an engineering company, and he's done a lot, uh, and he still does perform occasionally at, at times. So uh, I was interested. To that and of course Courtney Cox has gone on to do a ton of stuff including uh, the very fun TV show Cougar Town which comes back next uh, next month which I enjoy and uh, she's done of course a lot of TV friends movies a lot a ton of uh, success for her Kevin Peter Hall 
uh, he uh, actually uh, had did a, quite a bit. Uh, he died also uh, later on, uh, in, you know, not uh, too much after this show. Let's see, what year was that? 1990, something like that? Uh, 91. Uh, yeah, he he passed away. So uh, he was the very tall black gentleman in this series. And the funny thing about his character on Misfits of Science is he would shrink down. That was his ability or power. But anyway, very cool show from uh, 1985. So let me play another uh, intro for you for our next series to look at here. Okay, that's some of the intro to the first uh, TV series uh, or full TV series of the show V, uh, which actually started in uh, 1984 but ran through 1985. So I thought I would mention that on today's uh, podcast. This uh, basically was a follow-up TV series to the uh, couple of miniseries that they did uh, following up the events of the last one, V, The Final Battle. Uh, This, of course, uh, told the tale of the visitors that came to Earth to uh, pretty much eat us <laughs> as food, at least in this version of, of, uh, of the series back in the 80s, the first version, um, before the one that we had just a, a year or two ago. Uh, I guess not two, maybe it, la- it ended last year, just a year ago it ended, the new version that they did. Um, but uh, this was a kind of a fun little cool show. I, I wasn't as big of a fan of this as a lot of other shows uh, in the, back in the day, as they say. But I, I know Kenny uh, is a big V fan, and I have got an a audio clip from Kenny for this week to talk about some of his favorites from 85. So I'm probably guessing he mentions V on, on his clip. So uh, I'll leave some of that for him to talk about. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming he probably does, unless he thought I'd only cover 1984. So oh, that will be played later on here today on the show uh after a few other uh things i cover uh, first i've got a couple of clips actually to play from you guys about 1985 that I'll, I'll put on more towards the end of the show but yeah you know this uh it was cool it was fun it was uh, uh you know we didn't get a lot of sci-fi and television so everything we could get uh was was uh, you know we're definitely worth watching NBC back in those days especially I'm noticing you know with these series I've just mentioned was a big uh, one one of the only uh, you know kind of networks that was really supporting genre type stuff sci-fi and that uh, amazing stories misfits of science and now uh, V all NBC uh, shows at the time so uh, and I think you can get this stuff this one on on DVD now I think it's released let me see if uh, See if I can find that out here in their Wikipedia entry. 
let's see uh Da, da, da. See, it's a, it's available on Laserdisc. Laserdisc. Who who has Laserdiscs anymore? Looks like it was later released. Okay, in 2004, Region 1 DVD. 2008 on Region 2. I don't know if it's ever been put out. I don't think it's been put out on Blu-ray or anything yet. We're lucky to have it on DVD for these old shows anyway. So, uh, so there you go. V from uh, 84 to 85 on NBC. Other worlds lie outside our seeing, beyond the beyond, at the edge of within. The Great Pyramid, erected by the Ancient Ones as a barricade at the portal between two dimensions, two separate realities. This is the story of one family drawn through a mysterious vortex into the other world, and of their perilous trek homeward. That is the opening intro song to a very, uh, even more cult series uh, called Other World. This is a very short-lived sci-fi series. This one ran on CBS. This one ran from uh, January of 85 to only March of 1985. It only lasted eight episodes. Again, it was on CBS. And basically, it was a, a parallel sort of Earth, parallel uh dimension you know alternate universe types tale uh the first episode here's a little bit from wikipedia the sterling family hal june trace gina and smith take a tour of the interior of the great pyramid of giza at the same time as a once in ten thousand year conjunction of the planets happens and inside they are abandoned by their guide as they try to get out they are mysteriously transported to another planet which may or may not be in a parallel universe uh and then there are um the, this other planet's called Thel. Uh, there's no familiar countries or states. They're divided up into self-contained zones, each with a different, very different government style and way of life. Now, I'll admit, I think I maybe watched one episode of this way back when it first aired, so I know very little about Otherworld. Maybe some of you who are listening know more. Uh, but again, it lasted only for six, eight, sorry, six <laughs> Eight episodes. What, what am I saying? What am I saying? Anyway, uh, Sam Groom was the main guy, the dad in the show. A couple other actors, Gretchen Corbett, uh, Tony O'Dell, Joanna Lee, uh, Brandon Crane, Chris Hebert, Jonathan Banks. Uh, some familiar people in here. Uh, directed by Corey Allen, uh, who I th- also directed uh, some original Trek. Uh, Paul Michael Glaser, who of course played uh, Starsky and Starsky and Hutch, directed in this. He also did some directed some amazing stories. I was I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. And uh, so another cool little sci-fi show from that era. I think I'm going to take a break now here. 
I'm going to play one of the um, uh, one of the audio clips from you guys. I think I'll play Kenny's, and then I'm going to break off into 1985 films. A couple other TV shows uh, uh, that I'm just going to mention real quick that were on around this era in, in 85. Uh, Ray Bradbury Theater, uh, another show called Street Hawk, Stingray. Uh, Airwolf was also running at this time, but it actually started in 1984. Airwolf, I was a big fan of and watched that pretty much every week. The, the super Airwolf helicopter, man, that was a cool show. <laughs> Anyways, let's uh, listen to what Kenny has to say about 1985, and then I'll come back and get into some of the movies from that year. Hey, Rico, this is Kenny from California. I'm also the host of many podcasts, Knights of the Guild podcast, The Alienation, The Newcomer podcast, Confessions of a Fanboy, and The MASH 4077 podcast. Just wanted to send in some really quick comments about the year 1985. I was 15 years old, and I was prime age for sci-fi fantasy on uh, movies and uh, television. First, I want to start with TV. Not a lot of uh, sci-fi fantasy TV, but definitely some really good ones started this year. We had MacGyver, which uh, I just totally adored. Um, it was just fun to see him get out of tight corners with a paperclip and a rubber band and a piece of chewing gum. Uh, always interesting and, and entertaining to watch that show. Um, we also had one of my favorite sci-fi series. Uh, it only lasted one season. It only lasted like maybe 13 episodes. The Misfits of Science. Um, this was the first time that you really got to see like like X-Men. You know, these, these ordinary people with superpowers. And I just totally fell in love with this series. Uh, if many people don't know, this was Courtney Cox's first TV series. And uh, she was great. She had a uh, telepathy, so she could move things with her mind. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, very short-lived. It just uh, you know didn't have the strongest of stories. And at the time, sci-fi was more rare on TV, so um, it just didn't find an audience, unfortunately. But uh, still, one of my favorites uh, from 1985 is definitely the Mitch of Science. Now, moving on to movies. I mean, movies. There were huge movies this year. You know, we had Rambo and we had uh, Rocky Four. You know, I mean, these are some, you know, we had The Color Purple, Out of Africa, some huge, huge blockbuster movies. And, of course, we had our fair share of cool sci-fi movies. Starting with the, the lesser known, you know, we had like Lady Hawk with Rutger Hauer and Matthew Brod Broderick and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Very, very, uh, it's more of a cult classic now. I don't think a lot of people know of it, but it's a fantastic movie. And if uh, you get a chance, definitely check it out. Uh, we also have Enemy Mine with uh, Lou Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid. A really, really fun, cool movie. Uh, an alien human crash on a planet, and the alien is pregnant and gives birth to a son, but then dies, and the human has to, uh, Dennis Quaid's character, has to take care of the alien. Really, really cool story. Um, Really cool special effects, makeup, uh, lots of lots of really cool things. Definitely a must see if you're a sci-fi fan. And then, uh, of course, we have Legend that came out in 1985, and we already did a, a whole podcast on that. So you know my thoughts on Legend. It's one of my all-time favorite fantasy movies. We have The Battle for Endor, the Ewok movie, the second Ewok movie. And it's funny because in the U.S. it aired on TV, but in other places in Europe it aired in the movie theater. So it actually it's a movie and a TV movie. I loved Battle for Endor. That was probably my favorite of the two just because I loved uh, the character Teak because he ran really fast and that was always really cool to me for some reason. But um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed the Battle for Endor. Uh, we had Cocoon, which I totally 
fell in love with. You know, I mean, I had classic older actors, and you know, at fifteen, I wasn't sure how much I was going to like seeing you know older actors on screen for two hours. But the story was great, and the acting was incredible. And I'm so glad a lot of them got the Oscar nods for their portrayal of these characters. Um, really, really cool story. Definitely a must see. Uh, for me, it's one of my favorites uh, from 85. And then, of course, we have Back to the Future, which um, it's still one of my all-time favorites. Even though, I, honestly, number three is probably my favorite Back to the Future because I loved them going back to the West, uh, to the Old West. That was probably my favorite, but just the whole concept and the whole idea behind Back to the Future was really, really cool. And, of course, you know, everyone loves Michael J. Fox. He was such a hot item back then. And Christopher Lloyd's fantastic. You know, just all-around fun, interesting um, kind of concept and story and characters. And uh, definitely one of my favorites from 85. And finally, the last movie I want to talk about from 1985 is probably one of my all-time favorite movies. Definitely in my top ten is The Goonies. Now, I was 15 years old. I was a Goonie myself. And I was the prime age for this movie. I, I remember watching this at the theater probably 10, 11, 12 times. I just was totally taken in by this movie, by the characters, by the story, by the adventure and the friendships. And, you know, it's just everything that kid wants, you know, especially at 15 years old. Um, 14, 15 is when I saw this movie and it was just everything that I wanted out of life and wanted to go on adventures and wanted to find pirate treasure and, you know, pirate ships and it just looked like so much fun and I know their lives were threatened, but, you know, you, as a 15 year old don't care about that. You're just thinking about sliding down those cool water slides or, um, you know, finding the pirate ship. Just love that movie. Love it. I still love it to, to today. It holds up well. Um, I watch it at least probably twice a year maybe it's definitely like I said one of my top 10 all-time favorite movies and that is my number one pick for 1985 so um, thanks again Rico for doing your awesome podcast I'm so happy to be part of it and hopefully I'll be talking to you soon take care thanks very much Kenny for sending in your comments for the year 1985 mentioned some of the TV shows I mentioned a couple other things and, uh, and ran down some of the movies, and uh, thanks so much for that. So you got a little preview there of some of the movies I'm going to be covering here for the year 1985. And there's a couple that Kenny didn't mention. I know he was probably picking his highlights and uh, not giving you some kind of comprehensive list. And, and certainly my lists and my things that I'm going to cover both for TV and movies are not comprehensive. They are things that I feel are, are worthy of mention and things that I've enjoyed and uh, and so forth, and little things that you may not have uh, known about. So, But again, thanks so much for your comments, Kenny. I really appreciate that, and I know uh, this uh, was probably definitely a big year for you. You mentioned uh, how old you were, and I know... Uh, I was a, I'm a little older than you, and uh, you know that's why I think Star Wars has such a, a sweet spot for me, and I know it uh, obviously does for you as well. But uh, I was more of uh, you know those uh, the original trilogy. That's when I was around that age or so, a little older than that. But uh, that's why uh, you know the original Star Wars and Empire and Return of the Jedi all have. You know, always going to have the you know a big big uh, place on my shelf for uh, you know the movie uh, era of um, sci-fi and the movies or fantasy in a way. I guess it's probably more fantasy, uh, space opera. Let's say. Anyway, let's hit one of the movies that Kenny mentioned. This is a favorite of mine, a fantasy film from '85, and uh, I'll play a little music from it, and we'll come back and talk about it.
Yes, that is the mu- or music to the movie Lady Hawk, a 1985 fantasy film directed by Richard Donner, who, of course, directed the original Superman film. This starred Rucker Hauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Matthew Broderick. It, this is a, a, a just... I love this movie. I love the score. I love the the look. I love the characters. I pretty much love everything about this movie. The premise of it is is there's a there's a, a couple uh, played by Rucker Hauer and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer that are uh, more or less cursed. They uh, the man uh, the Rucker Hauer he's uh, Captain Navarre Navarre. Uh, he is a man by day and a uh, a wolf by night and uh, the uh the female lead michelle pfeiffer isabeau love that name isabeau she is uh, a hawk during the day and herself at night so they can never be together except at those slight points where they change from uh from man to uh to wolf and from woman to hawk and all it's just a, you know in the early morning and in the evening and it's uh it's just a great story. Matthew Broderick brings a, a lot of charm and humor to the movie. It has a great score uh, of music uh, done by Andrew Powell, who was on uh, the Alan Parsons Project, which is a favorite uh, musical group of mine. So uh, just a great uh, great story, great movie. I don't think I've ever done a full podcast on Lady Hawk, but that's definitely going on my list. I- I'd love to do a-, a complete show on this movie because it's such a big favorite of mine. And from 1985, came out uh, in April of that year. It was budgeted for about uh, $20 million, uh, made about $18 million, so almost made its money back that it was made, you know, that cost to make it. Uh, it's become certainly a cult classic. Rutger Hauer, I think, is just great in this movie. Uh, I love him as Navarre. Uh, there's nothing cooler with the, about a guy, a big big guy in black on a, on a black horse with a hawk on his arm and a big sword. It's just uh, he is an imposing character in this movie, that's for sure. So uh, anyway, uh, I, I love it. There's a couple times in the movie where he has a fight with a guy, and he, he doesn't even have to, like, I- engage the guy and fight him much. There's a couple he just scares. He just kind of glares at them, and, and they and they take off. So uh, so anyway, a uh, really great movie. Love this one, and uh, look forward to uh, doing a full podcast on it sometime in the near future. If someone finds out about this, they're going to try to take it away from us, and they can't do that because you dreamt it, I built it, and it's our secret. It was a discovery. Tonight... We launch. Beyond their imagination. Yeah, open up. Let's see what you can do. Are you serious? Yeah. Now it's taking them to a place. We're going straight up. Beyond the stars. How about a planet full of Amazon women who want to breed a new race? Pervert. Oh, come on, you guys. You'll see. It'll be great. It'll be the greatest thing ever. What if we want to go back? Go back? Now you say this? Why don't you look around? It's a little too late. We are going where no man has gone before. They're here. River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke star in an out-of-this-world adventure. Me Ben. Me Tarzan. It's intergalactic fun for the entire family in The Explorers. Yeah, that is uh, some uh, preview trailer stuff from the movie Explorers. This uh, movie was a very charming movie from 1985. came out on July, uh, tw- uh, July 12th of 1985. Uh, it starred uh, Ethan Hawke, uh, River Phoenix, uh, Jason Presson, uh, Bobby Fight, uh, a lot of uh, uh, good 
good young actors who have gone on to do a lot of things. Dream, James Cromwell was in this movie also. And uh, basically, three young friends are drawn together into this space fantasy adventure. Uh, he dreams, uh, the Ethan Hawke character Ben, dreams of space travel while watching late night monster movies and reading comics and playing Galaga. And he has uh, a night, he has a vivid dream of flying over space uh, like circuit board. And he shares his visions with his friends, Wolfgang, who's played by River Phoenix, who is this kind of a science genius. And uh, they're able to translate his dreams into this computer program that actually works. And they create this homemade spacecraft and uh, kind of embark on this secret adventure. So it's, it's pretty cool. There are some neat aliens in it, and it's a lot of fun. There's a, a, a lot of uh, films in this era around the mid-80s that have this kind of, uh, you know, young kids becoming uh, involved in some kind of greater thing, some kind of sci-fi fantasy tale. Uh, like Kenny mentioned, The Goonies, another uh, great movie from this era. I'm not going to talk too much about that. I, I've mentioned it a few times before, but I think uh, maybe I'll play the one of the trailers to Goonies right after this, and and then we'll, uh, we'll come back, talk just a little bit about that, and then move on to some other topics. But yeah, there's a lot of these kind of family-ish, uh, what I call family-oriented more sci-fi films from these this um, time frame, which were great. The special effects for Explorers was by ILM, too, uh, so they did some pretty good things, uh, at least for that time. And uh, this made about uh, only about $10 million at the box office. Music by Jerry Goldsmith. Got some great music in this movie. Uh, it was distributed by Paramount. Anyway, here uh, I'm going to play a uh, Goonies trailer, and then we'll be back in a few minutes after that. On Blu-ray for the first time ever, One-Eyed Willie's Treasure is waiting for you. Don't let Rich come on! From the imagination of Steven Spielberg and director Richard Donner. Look at that! It's the Goonies 25th Anniversary Collector's Edition. Goonies never say die! Jump into the action on Blu-ray. With remastered picture inside, you'll go places you never imagined. Plus, the anniversary edition comes with loads of goony goodies. Oh my god! You guys look! Get ready for the adventure of a lifetime. Let's get out of here! Like now! The Goonies 25th Anniversary Collector's Edition on Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah, there's some of uh, the uh, trailer for the Blu-ray release that just happened uh, not too long back for the Goonies. Uh, this came out uh, in June of 1985, budgeted for about $19 million, Made uh, did well at the box office, made about uh, three times its budget, uh, or about $61 million. Uh, It starred uh, Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, Jeff Cohen, Corey Feldman, Kerry Green, Martha Plimpton, uh, Jonathan K. Kwan and Anne Ramsey, amongst others, uh, distributed by Warner Brothers, directed by Richard Donner. Steven Spielberg was one of the producers on it, and uh, uh, along with Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall. Screenplay by uh, screenplay, excuse me, by Chris Columbus. Yeah, this is a group of friends that basically have an adventure and, and are you know searching for treasure, and and it just every kid's dream basically happens in, in this movie, and some things that maybe. They didn't really want to have happen, but uh, it's a fantastic, a fun movie. It definitely, if you've never seen The Goonies, you you definitely need to see it. This uh, this movie, uh, I, I've always kind of wondered why they never 
made something like this into some kind of a TV show. It seems to me, maybe they did, maybe they did a little animated show, I don't know, but it seems to me about a, a TV show about a group of kids that go off and have adventures and search for treasure would just be a, a, a perfect kind of TV show for, for this age group anyway. Uh, the kid who played um, Data in this, uh, uh, Jonathan K. Kwan, of course, played Short Round in uh, the uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom film. So he was pretty uh, pretty recognizable, pretty known at that time, you know, because I think the Indiana movie had just come out uh, the year before, and then he did this one. So uh, lots of fun, great movie, and I uh, really enjoy this one quite a bit. And uh, I got to pick up the Blu-ray. I haven't picked up the Blu-ray yet. So uh, next up, uh, well, let me play a little trailer for the next film that we're going to look at for our, our continued look at the year 1985. The farthest corner of a distant galaxy and the deepest feelings of the human soul comes a fantasy to fill your heart. I feel tremendous. I'm ready to take all the world. It is everything you've dreamed of. It is nothing you expect. Oh, I can keep a secret. I won't tell anybody. It's hard to know who to trust. It is the mystery of an awesome secret. It is the miracle of everlasting life. We'll never be sick. We won't get any older and we won't ever die. Beyond the innocence of youth and the wisdom of age lies the wonder of Cocoon. Twentieth Century Fox presents... from the producers of Jaws and the director of Splash. Cocoon. Yeah, that's uh, one of the trailers to uh, the movie Cocoon, of course, that uh, Kenny mentioned this one. I believe uh, this is directed by Ron Howard. It came out uh, in June uh, of 1985, 20th Century Fox. Yeah, this is basically the tale of uh, this group of older people. I think it's set down in Florida. They're retired, and and uh, you know they've got this retirement home, the place that they live in. And uh, this uh, the, the premise of it is is there are these aliens that are amongst us and show up and they're trying to retrieve uh, I believe these cocoons if I remember it's been a long time since I've seen this movie I got to watch this again sometime because it's really a good movie and the nice thing about it is, is it's a it's one of those rare movies you don't see them a lot that actually features a fairly older cast you know every day that you know every movie these days everyone's got to be about 20 years old in it it seems like is the average age for the movie um, you've got uh, some classic great actors, Don Amici, Wilford Brimley, Hume Cronin, Brian Dennehy, Jack Guilford, Stephen Gutenberg, uh, Maureen Stapleton, Jessica Tandy. I mean, uh, the, uh, the talent and, and, and breadth of, uh, of actors in this movie is just amazing. You know, one of, another executive produced uh, Steven Spielberg film. Uh, he was one of the producers on it. And uh, the uh, again, I think I mentioned uh, Ron Howard directed this, so uh, it, it's really cool. Uh, this idea that some older people could live uh, without uh, you know aging anymore and never get ill and anything if they go with these aliens, it's uh, a, a great story. There's also uh, there was a follow-up movie called Cocoon: The Return, uh, where you've got most of the original cast uh, back in the movie as well uh, that came out. Uh, I think it was just a few years later. Let me quickly check here on. Uh, good old wikipedia 
uh, yeah, that one came out in 88, the fall of 88. Uh, what I recall about it is it wasn't nearly as enjoyable as the first film, but sometimes that happens with sequels. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, Cocoon, there you go, from uh, 1985. Hello, everybody. This is Will, Will Eagle on the forums. And I just wanted to make a comment on 1985. Wanted to mostly talk about the movies and name off some of the movies that I enjoyed that year. Uh, Back to the Future, of course, being a big one that year. Rocky IV, Teen Wolf, which I actually recently watched on Netflix. Commando, Rambo First Blood Part Two, A View to a Kill, uh, James Bond movie. Witness with Harrison Ford. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome came out that year. Red Sonja, Enemy Mine, and a maybe not a very well-known movie called Daryl. But my one of my favorites of that year was the movie Cocoon. I thought that was a very well-done movie. Um, I don't think I seen it in 1985. I didn't see it till quite a few years later on a DVD. But it had some great actors in there. Wilford Brimley, Hume Cronin, Don Amici, Brian Dennehy, of course, Steve Guttenberg, Jessica Tandy. I mean, some really great actors in that movie, and I just thought that was a very well-done movie. I have not seen the sequel yet, but I want to watch it as soon as I can. And the Whom uh, Cronin and Jessica Tandy, of course, I liked them in another movie, um, little sci-fi movie called Batteries Not Included. So some really good actors again in that movie. The uh, Enemy Mind movie, I did see that back in 85, and I've seen it a few times after that as well and that movie kind of grew on me as far as the more times I've seen it I thought it was better each time I watched it so of course back in 1985 I was still in high school so I probably just didn't really catch on to what they were talking about and doing Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is only the second Mad Max movie I've seen I have never watched the whole first movie of that um, just called Mad Max I've never seen that all the way through and, of course, I'm sure most of you guys will be talking about about Back to the Future, so I'll leave that to you other forum members. And thanks for covering 1985, Rico. I really enjoy these uh, shows when you do them, and I hope you do one again soon. Everybody have a great day. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate your comments, Will, and uh, I just decided to slide that in there and... Uh, especially since uh, you uh, had some comments there to say about Cocoon, which I just talked about, and uh, and some of the other movies. Uh, uh, the um, We're kind of winding it down here. There's there's a ton of other ones that I could talk about. I want to uh, play a few clips and, and talk uh, the uh, a bit about Back to the Future, of course, because that's by far my favorite of 1985 and and just a great movie, and definitely in my uh Top uh, top list of films I love, and uh, so I'll play a couple things here in a moment. But a couple other movies I wanted to mention, uh, some that haven't been mentioned yet. There was a movie, a sci-fi movie called Life Force, uh, which I think actually I think Patrick Stewart has a small role in that, if I remember right. Been a long time since I've seen Life Force. I think that's from also 1984. Five, uh, excuse me. The first uh, Trancers movie came out in that year. We've mentioned Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, the uh, 
the movie Brazil came out. I'm not a big Brazil fan. I don't know. I, I, I Maybe I should be more. Maybe I need to give it another try sometime. <laughs> and, of course, Enemy Mine has been talked about. Uh, and uh, Daryl, I think, is a, is a, about the, the boy that's kind of a, a robot, right? Uh, and uh, that, that's, a, that's a cool little movie. I think um, Will just mentioned that one. Yeah, I've already talked about uh, Explorers a little bit. We talked about Cocoon uh, and uh, and Enemy Mine is, is is a great film. I remember seeing Enemy Mine in in the theater and just uh, really loving it. The thing about en- Enemy Mine, though, for me at least, is I found it um, I found it very similar to to I read a lot of uh, science fiction, or I still read a lot of science fiction. Maybe not as much as I used to. A little bit more fantasy sometimes these days. But anyway, the the, the basic story and the crux of Enemy Mine, the story of it. Uh, while I I think it's a great movie and very well done. Randy Quaid uh, is fantastic. Lou Gossett Jr. You know is the two main characters. But the premise of the two enemies kind of having to uh, come to uh, an understanding and agreement, and it's set in this sci-fi a war setting that's been uh, that story and tale has been done quite a few times in the past so the, the I guess the originality of that didn't strike me as much as, as maybe some people did but it's still a great movie nothing away you know taking away from it for but just for me personally it was um, wasn't quite as amazing maybe as it could have been for some others who weren't as familiar with that kind of a story so let me play uh, a clip from a little a movie from 1985 uh, featuring a, a, a silver car, uh, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, and Back to the Future. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me you built a time machine? What about DeLorean? He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. It works! It's a flying saucer from outer space! Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a baby tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. And if you do, could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. For crying out loud, I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... Can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Oh, Back to the Future. I, you know, this this movie is just so fantastic. Every time uh, I watch it, I love it. Uh, actually, I just watched it again not too long back with my younger son who had never seen it, uh, and, and he loved it. And it, so it, I, I know it holds up well. It holds up well, of course, for me, uh, but I, I was glad to see that he enjoyed it as much. Uh, we just watched the first one so far, and uh, we've got to watch the other one sometimes. Anyway, from 1985, Back to the Future, directed by Robert Zemeckis with Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Crispin Glover, Leah Thompson, Thomas Wilson, uh, music by Alan Silvestri. Uh, just uh, a 
to me, uh, basically a perfect a movie, a perfect blend of the cast, the story, the acting, the the action, the music, it just everything perfectly works. It comes together in this movie so well. I did a podcast back in August, early August of 2009, number, I just pulled it up here, let me see it again, uh, number podcast 238. So if you feel like going back, uh, if you maybe not listened to that one or if you've never heard that one before, if you're a newer listener to the show, you can listen to me covering uh, all three Back to the Future movies on that podcast. So I won't talk too much today, but I, I love this movie. It's just just wonderful. Uh, I love the whole idea of going the idea of going back in time and seeing your parents when they're in high school. To me, is just a just a brilliant, fantastic idea, and, and an, uh, just a perfect idea for a movie. Especially since I've got you know kids now that are uh, you know college age ish, and, and and you know for them to go back and see when I was in high school, I don't know if I'd really want that. <laughs> I'm not sure. I feel like I'm a lot cooler now than I was in high school. I was kind of like the geeky, uh, you know, uh, McFly character, uh, his father, uh, where you know that he meets him in high school. I was kind of, you know, the George McFly of high school a little bit, kind of, you know, the nerd getting a little picked on here and there. And so, uh, I, I really can identify a lot with this movie <laughs> in a way, I guess, because of that. Not that I had a DeLorean to go back in time or my kids do, but uh, would that be cool? I hear they're remaking or they're going to make DeLoreans again. So, let me play a little bit more of Back to the Future for you, and then I'll come back and uh, I've got another uh, audio clip from uh. Mr. Moyer about the music of the year and then we'll wrap up today's show so here's a little more Back to the Future and I'll be right back What did I just say? This sucker's electrical but I need a nuclear reaction to, to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! The year was 1985. 
what an awesome year for entertainment, and no exception was the amazing music that came out. Coming in at number 10, REO Speedwagon. And who can forget the sexually charged Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Coming in at number eight was Wham! featuring George Michael and the song Careless Whispers. Who could forget the amazing band Tears for Fears with their big hit Shout? Shout, shout, let it all out. These are the things I can do without. Come on, I'm talking to you. Come on, shout, shout. Then of course, on the edge of video craziness was Dire Straits with money for nothing. And now for the number five single that was popular in 1985, Madonna with Material Girl. Madonna was on a hot streak and had many number one hits. Here's number four. Who can forget the all-American boy, Brian Adams with the summer of 69.
sliding in at number two, almost number one, with Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Down the band Aha with Take On Me. Yes, the year 1985 was amazing when it came to pop music. Julian Lennon, The Smiths, Tears for Fears, Philip Bailey and Phil Collins with Easy Lover, Prince and the Revolution with Raspberry Beret, Stevie Wonder, and of course, Huey Lewis and the News from the movie Back to the Future, The Power of Love. That's it for 1985. I'm Rick Moyer. I hope you enjoyed this countdown of the top 10 songs of 1985. Well, thanks very much, Rick, for running down the songs and the music from that era. Yeah, I uh, I love 80s music. I, I listen to XM radio in my car a lot, and a lot of times it's tuned to uh, the 80s station. So it's it's definitely a favorite period of time for me. A lot of fond memories and lots of good stuff. Hey, that's, uh, that's pretty much wrapping up 1985 for uh, the podcast. I got one, a couple last-minute things, a couple quick things to go over. First off, I want to do a quick review. I've got this new um, collectible. What it is, is a, uh, a kind of a wall comm unit, I guess it's called, from uh, the original Star Trek series. This you can pick up over at thinkgeek.com, and I think it's around $30. Basically, it's that little red wall unit that Kirk would always, you know, fist punch the button and then you know call up to the bridge and all that you saw what they did with this thing though is they made it look like that but they gave it some uh, little features uh, it has a little sensor on each side of it that uh, when you approach it it'll it'll set off a little sound sometimes the sound is like that which is the doors opening on the enterprise on the original series sound or yeah there's that sound again and or it can do an alert sound Let's see if I can get that. <laughs> All right, we'll turn that off. And there's a little red light that flashes on it. And uh, 
and then it's uh, and then the the sound goes off when you walk by it. You can also push the little com button, which gives you the uh, you know uh, when they would get a message coming down from the bridge or something like that. You would hear that. Anyway, uh, it it hangs in the wall real nicely. It looks cool. It's got uh, 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 two volume settings, one super lo- the, the, that was just the average uh, normal level, I guess, for, for volume. And then there's a really loud one that I'm not going to turn on. but And you can turn it off, too. There's a little slide switch on the front that allows you to turn it off. So when people walk, walk by, they won't uh, set it off if you don't want them to. And Anyway, a neat little prop uh, slash collectible slash toy uh, over at thinkgeek.com. You probably can pick it up in other places. I'm not really sure, actually, on that. Uh, because it's, uh, well, it's, it's built by them, I think. I'm not positive. But anyway, that's where I got mine, thinkgeek.com. And, uh, again, a pretty cool little item. And it's been a while since I did a collectible review, so I thought I would play that for you. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Treks and Sci-Fi. Coming up on the podcast next week, you are going to get a, uh, a very special treat, uh, Brian and Al uh, did a, are doing a alien. I, I don't know if Marco joined in on them. I know he was going to. I, I know they recorded uh, a, a week or so ago. But anyway, they're going to look at the first alien movie next week. That's going to be a guest podcast next week on Treks and Sci-Fi. The week of uh, after that, the, the 12th of February, I'm going to look at the DS9 episode, To the Death. And then on the 19th of February, you're going to get a special look at a cool little uh, animated series called, uh, basically um, where they took uh, an animated series around the uh, Battletech uh, and the Battletech uh, game, I think they used. I think I've seen an episode or two of it. Anyway, Joe or Billy Bob on the forums is going to do that on the 19th of February. So that's upcoming in the next few weeks on Treks and Sci-Fi. Uh, please send me your requests for um, you know shows, treksf at gmail.com, or audio comments for any of these shows coming up or anything else that you've seen that you want to comment on tvs books movies whatever treksf at gmail.com also uh, itunes reviews or paypal donations all that information can be found on the main website over at treksinsci-fi.com or just type in treksf.com and it will redirect you to the site so that's it i hope everyone's enjoyed this look at 1985 i know i have uh it was great to podcast again it's been a couple of weeks and so that's always good and um, have a great week everyone and enjoy uh the super bowl next weekend if that interests you or enjoy the commercials i'm looking forward to the commercials more than the game uh but uh and uh, all kinds of fun stuff coming up in the months and ahead for sci-fi entertainment and fantasy so take care everyone i'll talk to you again in two weeks next week we have a guest cast about the first alien movie again so take care bye-bye This has been a Rick Dusty Podcast production.